we started making up all these hair mask recipes in Sophie's parents' kitchen. We were handing them out to people. Everyone was like, what are you guys doing? And then we launched in December 2013. Hey, welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where we chat to ambitious women about what it takes to become an overnight success. Huge spoiler alert, the overnight success does not exist. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Anna, and Maeva. Now get comfy, fellow Lady Brains, and ride with us to Ladyland. In case you hadn't heard, vegan beauty is in. Demand for cruelty-free products is booming. The US market alone is set to be worth $3.1 billion by 2025. While a lot of the big beauty brands are just now jumping on the vegan trend, today's guest predicted it would happen quite a few years ago, and she had the foresight to create a brand that filled a significant market gap, vegan, cruelty-free hair care. Today we're speaking to Jess Gehring from Hello Hair. She founded the business with two friends back in 2013, and over the past five years, the three have created a thriving global business and have grown their social following to over 400,000. Not bad for a trio that had absolutely no experience in the hair industry beforehand. We started our chat by asking Jess where her incredible work ethic came from. Literally the day I turned 14 and nine months, I started applying for jobs everywhere because I could not wait to start working. Started working, you know, when I was in year 10, had two jobs for the rest of high school. And as soon as I finished school, I was at uni and I always had multiple jobs. So I was always sort of prided myself on having a good work ethic and always sort of felt motivated to keep working. And it was funny, I actually stumbled across my high school yearbook about 18 months ago. And in the little section where they have your year 12 photo and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I actually wrote that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Which is interesting because at the time I actually probably wouldn't have even have understood what the word really meant and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, It took me three years to get into the course that I wanted to do after I finished school. I sort of had decided I wanted to do PR marketing but I wanted to do PR at RMIT and it was quite Mm. a hard course to get into so I did nursing for a semester when I first finished school and quickly realised when I passed out in the lab and got taken to hospital (laughs) um, and ended up in a neck brace that that (gasps) wasn't my career path. Um, Following year, did arts at La Trobe and thought it was the most boring thing ever, but I'd applied for the PR course again at RMIT and I didn't get accepted again. So I sort of felt like I need to do something. I felt a bit defeated and I sort of felt like a bit of a failure because I sort of Mm. thought, well, you know, I finished school a couple of years earlier and I needed to do something, but it really wasn't fulfilling. So deferred that, um, kept working full time and then finally got accepted into PR at RMIT in 2009 and then got offered my first job at Mimco before I even finished uni. So that was really lucky. So I already was working in the store there. Um, I was interning in the office there and then I worked in PR marketing there for the first couple of years of my sort of PR career so which was awesome um and then I went into agency PR and then I went into working for a fast fashion wholesaler and did their sort of online social media back-end PR marketing all of that kind of stuff blogger seeding and then started Hello Hair. Okay so you were working in a couple of other businesses what gave you the idea to start Hello Hair? Like, how did it come about? 
So that's why it's sort of funny that when I was so young that I thought I like that I'd written in my yearbook that I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I really wouldn't have had any clue what I want business I wanted to run. And even if, I mean, a few years ago, if someone had said to me in a few years time, you're going to be running a hair care business, I literally would have laughed in their face because my hair was just awful. (laughs) And anyone that has known me for many years can confirm that I literally had like a little blonde snapped off flat peroxide mullet. Um, so I, my hair wasn't aspirational by any means. Um, but then I'm like, maybe that was part of my journey. Like I really yeah. had to have really yeah. awful hair to then sort of transform, then really know what it was like to have bad hair and then sort of inspire all these other girls to sort of transform their hair. So at the time, I mean, in 2013, it was a very different space on social media platforms. Um, I had spent a lot of time in my previous roles managing Facebook pages and Twitter pages and then Instagram sort of came along and I was managing clients, Instagram profiles and no one was really sort of utilising Instagram to its full potential until really sort of 2013. And then I started thinking, well, this is, it's a free platform, it's all visual, it's got so much potential, it was, you know, it had amazing reach, but it wasn't, it was different to Facebook because Facebook you were spammed with all of your friends and your cousins, uncles, brothers, neighbour that you had on there and like, you know, all these sort of like businesses you were subscribed to, so there was just so much content. But Instagram you were only seeing posts from people that you were following and we sort of thought this is a perfect platform to launch a business. We used to go to Bali and get these hair cream baths that they offer in a lot of the spas over there and a lot of girls would have got them and your hair feels amazing afterwards. And so once Jade and I were in Bali and we sort of were like, what is this product and why can't you get it in Australia? So we looked into it. I ended up ordering it from eBay in Thailand. It's like a great product in terms of making your hair feel amazing, but it's just full of crap basically Mm. and so we both had quite blonde peroxided hair we were like this isn't doing anything for us we'd been going into the hair salons and getting basin treatments that were costing $75 at a Mm. time they were only leaving them in for a couple of minutes and then washing them out and you sort of feel like this isn't doing anything for me and then we're sort of thinking well why can't we create a natural alternative like there was just nothing out there and by this stage we'd thought about this idea we'd brought Sophie into the mix Sophie um, and I knew each other because she was my osteopath Sophie came into the picture with a lot of business knowledge which Jade and I didn't have because Sophie had started her own business before she was a few years older than us her dad owns his own business so we all sort of brought different skill sets to the table Um, you know Jade had worked as a PA before she was you know had amazing organizational skills she was looking after all the operational side I sort of thought well I can do all the social media and the PR and the marketing sort of side so we sort of had this idea for this product and we were like how do you literally just make a hair product and just take it to market and now when we think back we're like literally how did we do that in this like mm-hmm. in the space of three months we started googling you know essential oils that are amazing for hair that had like really great restorative properties things that could be used on all hair types 
everything had to be natural. We wanted it to be vegan, cruelty-free. We thought if we're launching a business in this social media space, it really needs to encompass all of those things because people are becoming so much more conscious now about beauty products Mm. and what they're putting into their body. And it's obviously quite a young demographic as well that we were targeting. So we thought this product needs to be aesthetically pleasing and needs to photograph well if it's going to be on social media because, you know, Instagram somewhere where your customers end up doing a lot of your marketing for you because they get the product, they post it on their page. That in turn brings more people to your page because people sort of see, oh, what's so-and-so got their hands on? Like I've never seen this before. So we wanted to create something unique and we put the hair mask into the you sort of pouch packaging that it's in because we wanted to solve a postage issue because we actually, you know, when we started the business, we didn't have the money to be able to be buying bulk packs of Australia Post satchels to send this one hair mask in. So we thought if we create it in this really unique pouch design, then we can actually send it as a larger letter. So it's ended up being quite ironic that then all these larger companies have copied our packaging mm when they've been selling the product in bricks and mortar stores because if we had the choice, we would have put it in a bottle to begin with. But mm-hmm. we sort of created this packaging trend, which was pretty cool. But, you know, once again, we sort of thought, how do you find packaging? Um, so we just Googled it <laughs> and we started making up all these hair mask recipes in Sophie's parents' kitchen. We were handing them out to people. Um, we were getting them to try this product. Everyone was like, what are you guys doing? And then we, in the space of three and a half months, created this product that we're really happy with, found a supplier. We're literally cooking up batches of this hair mask every weekend and then we launched in December 2013. So it all happened really fast. So in developing the formula, you guys were doing that in your kitchen and then you took your developed formula to a supplier and got them to replicate that? Like how did that process work? Yeah, so at the start we had... Because the biggest issue was that we thought, you know, if we're using all these natural ingredients, then it needs to be a stable formula, basically. And so this is the part where we sort of had to wing it because none of us were scientists or, you know, we hadn't come from a pharmaceutical background. We hadn't come from a product development background. Sophie somehow had just like developed this hair mask with the right combination of all the ingredients that we wanted to put in there where it was a, you know, a creamy consistency. And I mean, because it is natural, it does change consistency when it is in varying temperatures. So it probably took, I mean, it definitely took a lot of goes to get right. But, you know, we started then ordering all these essential oils in bulk from all these suppliers and just had them getting all delivered to our parents' house. And then when we perfected the formula, we were like, okay, cool. So how do you get a supplier to make your product for you okay we'll google it so then we just googled (laughs) melbourne beauty um, manufacturers and found one that way and then took it to them but it all happened so quickly i don't remember feeling nervous i think that we just felt like oh well we'll just we'll give this a go Mm -hmm. and we hadn't told many people that we were doing it that was kind of our advantage because then we thought, mm, well, if this doesn't go so well, we just won't really put our names to it. And then it can just sort of like <laughs> become just a creative, creative project. Yeah. yeah. A hobby. <laughs> um, because, you know, there obviously were a few people when we were 
sort of testing these hair masks and we said, so when are we, you know, going to launch this little Instagram business? And I was sort of like, oh, you can't just make your own products and just release them. You guys aren't like a big company. Like, yeah, you know, we know. We're just testing the waters. So looking back, it's kind of nice that it all happened so quickly and so organically. And, you know, I've had people sort of interview me in the past and sort of say, well, how, how did you formulate your business plan? Like, how did you sort of go about everything? We're like, we didn't have a business plan. We launched in the space of three months with one single product that mm. was retailing for $15. And, you know, I built the website that we have on Shopify from my laptop, like in my bedroom. I'd had no like coding experience. I was literally just like watching videos on YouTube about sort of like how to make things look pretty on mm. the website from the back end. And we only had the one product for almost a year after we launched. So in hindsight, it's quite a unique story because it's never how I mean it's certainly never the business that I would have envisaged myself having and I think the other girls would agree none of us ever would have thought we would have gone into hair care you know the most common question we get asked is oh you you know your next hairdresser like you know where were you working before this and we're like no we weren't hairdressers at all Mm -hmm. um which is also kind of nice though because we didn't come from the industry and we've been able to build this business just because the we sort of had the drive to do so and the passion and the sort of belief in the product um, and we've been able to sort of turn it into a fully fledged business now which is definitely unexpected but nice as well. So how far into the business did you decide I'm happy to put my face and name to this and you know you started sharing that you were in fact behind the business? It was pretty soon in that we sort of put it out there on our personal social media channels We launched just, it was a couple of days before Christmas in 2013. So it was just so hit the ground running. It's a very strange time of year to launch a business, really. It was pretty quiet for the first few days, but we'd done this huge blogger send out um, when we launched, you know, which at the time was very different to if you did a blogger send out now, because at that time, Instagram was very different. There were very sort of few influencers per se, on the platform that had big followings. I was fortunate that I'd already sort of come from a PR and social media background. So I had, you know, the contact details of a lot of local Melbourne bloggers and um, personalities that were on the platform that, you know, we said, oh, we'd love to send you our new hair mask. And they're like, yeah, sure. We'd love to post about it on social media. You know, back in the good old days, people would just receive a product in the mail and just post about it on their channels for free. So by the time we'd sent the mail out, even before news that year, the product just started going viral, which was crazy. But, you know, Instagram was very different back then. So we sort of thought, okay, this is pretty cool. Maybe in a few weeks, if it keeps going this way, then we will put your sort of faces to the product. (laughs) So by the time we sort of posted about it, I think on our personal Facebook pages, a couple of people actually contacted me and were like, I saw this pop up on my Instagram. Actually, I bought it. And we didn't really put ourselves out there we never identified ourselves as the owners of the business on the Mm. hello hair account which over the years we've realized I think is important as well and it's something that's it's taken us a while to do because we really wanted the product to sort of speak for itself we never wanted our business to sort of be about us Mm. and we never wanted our faces on there sort of spruiking the product sort of big noting ourselves or we didn't want to come across as the specific faces of the business it was a couple of maybe two and a half years ago 
where I had spoken at Run the World and that was the first conference that I'd spoken at and then I got profiled by RMIT and they said to me, why don't you have an About Us section on your website? And I was like, oh, I, don't, I just didn't really think that we needed one. And they sort of said to me, well, you realise that people out there don't even necessarily know that this is a all-female startup. You know, they might think that you're a subsidiary of a large multinational organisation or you could be a business run by guys. You know, don't you realise that it's actually a massive draw card that mm. you do have this unique story you started the business on a whim. You had sort of no idea how it was going to go. Um, it's just, you know, three Melbourne girls that just sort of had this idea and you wanted to run with it. And we were like, oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of have slowly started telling our story because I think when you're immersed in the business day to day, you don't think your own story's mm. cool or impressive. The social media landscape has changed quite dramatically since Hello Hair launched a few years ago. There's now the infamous Instagram algorithm, and it's increasingly hard for brands to get cut through and remain relevant. We asked Jess how she's changed her tactics over the years to continue to build Hello Hair's audience and engagement. It's definitely something that is relentless, and we always have to change and adapt because... Facebook and Instagram are constantly changing their algorithm. Um, Obviously, Snapchat had become a massive draw card, I guess, for influencers. Instagram stories are so much more user-friendly now. They've added so many features. And even the fact that, you know, there's Instagram story highlights now, um, which is, you know, really great as a business to be able to have that. I mean, Instagram was always our largest following anyway. So we found it really hard to have a following on Snapchat because we didn't have enough content to be able to put on Snapchat, but then we'd engage with a lot of bloggers who were big on Snapchat. So now we sort of have to steer away from there and go sort of back to Instagram and Facebook. It's hard though, for sure. And, you know, a lot of the bloggers that we've worked with over the years as well are having the same issue because their profiles are big and, you know, Instagram sort of punishes them too because they're actually verified business profiles. So Instagram treats these bloggers as a business. So now we're sort of seeing the rise of the micro blogger, they're calling it, um, who are a sort of new breed of younger influencers that are coming through on Instagram, which is, you know, always great to engage with like-minded girls who used to think oh I haven't come across this girl before but I thought well of course I haven't because when we launched our business she was probably only like 17 or 18 years old but we've really spent a lot of time developing our relationships with you know influencers and the girls that we collaborate with as well so that we are collaborating with girls on an ongoing basis and they actually use our products and love them we're very selective with who we work with we won't just pay a blogger with a large following just for the sake of you know them having a large following and seeing that they're getting a lot of likes we really have to feel that their content actually speaks back to what we're about you know we look for people that have a you know majority female audience like there's a lot of things that sort of go into it it's a very tricky space now because it's also very expensive Mm. to engage a lot of these bloggers now and some of them totally understand because they actually create really great content, especially video content, which performs really well for us on our channels. 
but we've actually seen a lot of influencers over the years become a little bit greedy with mm, what they charge. So tell me about it. So it's quite time consuming trawling through all these platforms, finding these, you know, like-minded beauty bloggers, mummy bloggers, fitness bloggers, just girls on there who create really beautiful content really and formulating ongoing relationships with them so that then it works both ways basically. It's never-ending really. Mm -hmm. It's such a funny space because I think so many indie brands started the trend of using these bloggers and influencers and then once the giant multinationals caught on, they have money rather than yeah. their relationship building yeah. skills. Absolutely. So they throw all this money at these influencers yeah. and set precedence for how much they get paid and that exactly. trickles down to everybody. And then so, you know, we've actually sort of lost ongoing partnerships with bloggers that we've worked with for some time because they'll say, oh, well, so-and-so's offered us this amount of money for an ongoing partnership. I and, mean, you know, they, we can't compete with these mm. huge brands. We re- like, we're never going to be able to. So we've sort of just had to continue to ride the wave and just adapt and just continue to put our own great organic content out there as well. You know, we really want to make our Instagram a fun place to come to. We don't want it just to be stock shots of our product that we're posting because that gets no engagement. You know, that's boring. People have seen our products pop up on their feeds thousands of times, literally. So we spend a lot of time finding hair memes, you know, the memes are what do the best on our page out of all of our posts. But, you know, really beautiful shots of hair. We collaborate with different hairdressers. We love to share photos of hair, you know, from salons that we're stocked in, you know, braid tutorials, braid videos, just content that everyone can sort of relate to. Whether, you know, you've got one kind of hair type or another, you can come to our account and get some kind of hair inspo. So... In those early days, like in the first sort of 12 to 18 months that you were building a business, was there ever a moment where you were like, mm, I'm not sure if this is the right idea, I'm not sure whether we can do it? Like did you ever doubt yourself or the business's potential? Surprisingly not in the beginning. It probably was at the 18-month mark. We'd released two different variations of our hair treatments but we had two products that were you know one was $15 one was $18 and we were able to continue this business for you know over 18 months with these two products we moved into our office in South Yarra you know when we look back we're like we actually did pretty well considering we didn't have a full product range by any means we then started developing our shampoo and conditioner with our manufacturer here in Melbourne and that's when we realized that it's not all fun and games and we thought this is going to take a really long time. We thought it was going to be fun and easy to develop shampoo and conditioner because we had really specific needs. We wanted it to be obviously cruelty-free, vegan-friendly. It had to be free from parabens, sulfates, silicones, formaldehydes. You know, we wanted it to be as clean as possible. But basically the cleaner a product is, the harder it is to stabilise. It's a very sort of slow testing process. We were sort of never happy with the formulas and we sort of started thinking, oh, my God, how are we going to really sustain the longevity of the business? We started telling our customers, yeah, we've got this shampoo and conditioner coming and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be perfect to use in conjunction with our treatments 
And it was frustrating because all of our customers were emailing us saying, when are you going to release a shampoo and conditioner? Well, you know, in the meantime, what shampoo and conditioner should I be using in conjunction with your treatment? So we were mm. having to direct them to other brands, mm. which seemed wrong to us. And it was frustrating because customers that would then say, oh, well, you, you told me a year ago that you were releasing a shampoo and conditioner. Mm. We're like, yeah, we are. So from inception to release, it was, we started working on the shampoo and conditioner in November 2014 and we didn't release them till July 2016 so it was really slow and painful I mean once we finally released the shampoo and conditioner I'd like to say it was a little mini weight off our shoulders but you never feel like you're finished Mm. we'd released a few different hair accessories within that time so we sort of we had a growing product range but I mean as soon as we released the shampoo and conditioner we were literally like okay right on to the next thing we need to now release a blonde version of our shampoo and conditioner so then we started the whole testing process again you know that took another almost 18 months and then we started working on our lash and brow enhancer which also took 18 months um so every single product has been a serious working progress It's been nice to always have had things in the pipeline. Mm. It's just that we haven't obviously been able to grow as fast as what we would have liked to. But then I think that our customers, or most of them I think, would appreciate the fact that we've actually taken so long to develop Mm. everything because it is natural but also high-performing and we weren't going to compromise Mm. on the ingredients that we're going to put in there just to rush a product out to market, Mm. which we have seen a lot of other, I will say, copycats do um who have come up and sort of tried to undercut us on social media platforms um which happens and that was to be expected um so yeah it's been slow but it's sort of nice that at least we've grown the business organically as well up until this week actually we're out of stock of our blonde shampoo and conditioner and we'd been out of stock for about six weeks which is the longest time that we've been out of stock of any product and it was so stressful it was an interesting learning experience because customers were really wanting to get their hands on the product and we didn't realise that there was going to be such a demand for it while it was out of stock because it's obviously not our regular shampoo and conditioner and it's more of a niche product because it really is only for people with blonde or grey hair or white hair or sort of, you know, balayage ombre hair. But the amount of inquiries we had and the amount of people saying, oh, I'm so devastated, I just went to buy the shampoo and conditioner and it's gone, we were like, oh, my God, mm. please don't go elsewhere. So that's the first time that we've really had to create a hype while it was out of stock. Um, once again, we didn't know when the order was going to arrive. So we absolutely hyped that restock to the max and it worked really well and customers were over the moon. You know, and we made sure that we let all of our stockists know and all of our customers know and have really just probably overshared it on our Instagram stories. But um, it's a lot of trial and error and it's a lot of realising what our customers want um, and what they're looking for from us as a business. You know, we haven't sort of had the means to sort of do a lot of research with our customers mm-hmm. either. So it's it's all just learning. Is that, would that be the next step to try and understand the customer a bit more? Yeah, I think so. Um, we've got a few products in the works that we're hoping will be able to launch in the coming months. And I think it'll probably just be identifying who our core customer is really. Mm. You know, when we first started, Instagram was quite basic. 
you had no business insights whatsoever. So you sort of, besides seeing on Google Analytics or, you know, Shopify Analytics that your visitors were coming from Instagram, you actually kind of had no idea where your followers were or, you know, what posts were getting the most engagement besides seeing which posts were getting the most likes and comments. Whereas now as a business, we've got all this data coming Mm. through, Um, you know, the same goes for Facebook and we work with a strategic Facebook agency that have been awesome and they're a team of two who used to work at Facebook in New Zealand and then they left and they started their own Facebook agency. So they've got such an amazing understanding of all of the back end of Facebook, which is quite overwhelming Mm. and so much goes into Facebook ads these days. Mm. So I was more than happy to palm that off to them because that's their specialty so I think it'll be yeah spending more time to sort of get getting to know our customers and finding out what they'd like to see from Mm. us moving forward so that we can continue to ride the wave and also ensure the longevity of the business too and what do you think has been I guess throughout your whole journey you probably had a lot of no's you've had a lot of yeses as well but what do you think was one of the biggest no's or the biggest kind of door slammed in your face and how did you get over that and overcome it? When we first launched our business, we obviously didn't launch with a plan. We launched with, you know, the singular product and we set the price so low that it really made it so that that product could never be sold at a wholesale price or, you know, let alone a distributor Mm. price. But we didn't think that at the time because we had no idea how the business was going to go. And we sort of thought, oh, we're starting this as a little side venture. We, you know, continued to develop the range. And it wasn't until we developed our shampoo and conditioner that we even started building wholesale margins into our products because we had lost so many big stockist opportunities both here and overseas because we just didn't have the margins to be able to work with these large organisations, which it's kind of goes both ways because at least our business has stayed quite boutique Mm. you know it's quite a unique business I guess we definitely backed ourselves into a corner and you know our business could have really probably gone to the next level if we had have factored all of those things in however perhaps our product would never would have sold as well initially in the first place. And we wanted to price our products quite competitively in the market because no one had ever tried this product before. It was a small business. No one knew us. We thought we need to make this affordable enough for people so that they could buy it and try it without having any feedback on if it worked for other people or their friends or, you know, they there were no reviews on Google about it or anything like that. But that's probably one of the biggest no, I wouldn't say mistakes, but biggest learnings that we've made. And, you know, we'll we'll never be able to go into a large Australian retailer unless we grow our range extensively to sort of allow for all these other products to go in. But the products that everyone wants are the hair masks because they mm. were our sort of cult mm. product that we launched with. That's what we're known for. You know, we got approached by some huge companies. You know, we nearly fell off our chairs when some of these people emailed us. But we just knew straight away that it was never going to work, which was a shame, but definitely, you know, a huge learning curve. And then we'll just continue to sort of build all of the correct pricing into our margins for future products. And we're we're lucky that we've got more room to move with distributors and wholesalers overseas because they purchase our products in Australian dollars and then they're able to 
sell them in their own currency. So with the currency conversion, there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Mm. But in Australia, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, as much as our customers keep telling us they'd love to see us, you know, the shelves of a Mm. Priceline or a Mecca or a Chemist Warehouse, it's just I don't think ever going to happen. (laughs) So we're almost out of time. We just wanted to ask you a few final questions. What makes you happy? As a business owner, it sounds really token that I would say, you know, seeing my business do well obviously brings me so much joy because it has been like our child for, you know, four and a half years now. And it's even the smallest things in the business of what has made me the happiest. Like when customers email us and they say, you know, I've been using your products for years and they've absolutely transformed my hair or, you know, we've had people say that they've had chemo and they've regrown their hair and they used our products to really get their hair back Mm -hmm. on track. And, you know, it's kind of stories like that that we're like, that is awesome. Or, you know, I'll go to someone's house and, they'll have our stuff in their shower and it's not because I've given it to them for free. Like they've just gone and bought it. Or one of my girlfriends who's a performer was traveling overseas and she was sharing a room with a girl in the Philippines of all places. And she'd never met this girl before. And this girl just pulls out hello hair from a toiletries bag. And my girlfriend was like, where did you get this? And she's like, oh, I bought it online. It's this like cool Instagram brand. And she's like, that's my best friend's business. Mm-hmm. So it's little things like that that I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, we're getting our name out there. And finally, what's next for you and what's next for Hello Hair? As I mentioned earlier, we're hoping to release a few new things this year, which will hopefully be exciting. And then we're hoping just to explore new markets overseas, which you know, some of the harder markets to crack. Um, We'd really love to spend more time working on the Chinese market, which is a very difficult one. We have had a bit of luck in the Middle East, which has been awesome. So we'd love to sort of nurture that more. But, you know, we've never had any outside help for that sort of side. So it is, you know, it's a time-consuming thing and it's something that, you know, it hasn't been the easiest thing to explore. But I think there's so much potential for us to take the product overseas to people where they've never been exposed to our product before. So that's probably the goal for 2018, I think. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, lady.brains, and head over to ladybrains.com.au to find out more about our events and other cool things that are happening.